What's up, everybody? This is the Booch, and this shout out goes to all of the members of the Booch Cast Nation. On behalf of the entire team and all of my affiliates, I would like to take this opportunity to thank you guys so much from the bottom of our hearts for your continued support of the Boochcast. Whether it's wrestling recaps, interviews, politics, variety shows, movie reviews, whatever episodes we come out with, you guys listen, you guys tune in, and you show your support. And it means the world to us. And we're going to commence with this latest episode in just a moment. But I want to take this opportunity right now to let you guys know something really huge that is going on in the world of the booch. I am now officially on Cameo. That's right. The Cameo. The same Cameo where celebrities go and give personal shout-out videos for all their fans. And I'm here to let you guys know that for the affordable price of just $25 you can get a personalized video from me on cameo and it can be for any occasion that you want you got somebody you want me to wish a happy birthday I'll make it happen you want me to congratulate someone on graduating high school or college I'll make it happen whether it's a happy holidays video it can be a gender reveal it can be somebody who needs some motivation you want the boots to motivate you or if you got somebody in your life that you want to break up with I'll help make the breakup happen or if you got somebody in your life that you want to tell to fuck off and you want it done booch style all you got to do is go to cameo.com slash booch 365 there'll be a link in the description box of every episode of the booch cast from now till the end of time go there book your video customize it however you want let me know how you want it done and i will make it happen for you so go to cameo.com slash booch365 right now and book your personalized video today for the affordable price of $25. And now, on with the show.
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we have a classic pay-per-view review, a new classic pay-per-view review, and of course, as always, well, actually, I can't say as always because it only happens occasionally, but thank God now it's happening. Hopefully, it'll be always now going forward. I have joining me here on The Booch Cast, the one, the only, Gator Ricky Ross. children it is your uncle gator here live for the bootcast presents battle bowl ladies and gentlemen i am so excited this is going to be great but like every wrestling show we have to start with the national anthem so uncle gator has pulled some strings and i don't mean in the unchristian way i mean in the whole campax pearl way i have pulled some strings and we got to do the national anthem for you right now ladies and gentlemen because i found a checkbook here he is, Flavor Flav! We're so gallantly streaming And the rockets red flare The bumpers Okay, what the fuck did I just hear? I got Flavor Flav to do the national anthem. Okay, Flavor Flav to do the national anthem on this show. Why? Because I found a checkbook. Gator, what is the name that appeared on this checkbook? Uh, Vincent A. Bugirelli. Why? Why do you keep taking my checkbook? Why do you keep laying it around? I don't lay it around. You're actively looking for this shit. I am not actively looking for this shit, okay? I am not Russia. I'm not bombing nobody. No, you're just stealing money that I don't have. Well, yeah, you're poor, but not poor enough to get flavor flame. He must be desperate for fucking money at this point. Actually, it was on his bucket list to sing the national anthem. Well, that makes sense because there's no way you did that. I'm not going to detail now, but let's just say I can't get a bowl of soup. No, but you could pay enough for a hot dog and a handshake. I couldn't even afford the hot dog. Well, you just heard Flavor Flav singing the national anthem right there. Uh, well, Mr. Budrelli, you want to know why Flavor Flav is singing the national anthem? 
Why? Because today is November 6th, and this coming Saturday is November the 11th, Veterans Day. So to honor all of our veterans, I gave you Flavor Flav. You wanted to honor the veterans with Flavor Flav. Yes, all the people that take care of all of our animals. You know, the veterans. They take care of our animals when they're sick, when they're not healthy. What? The veterans! Wait, are you trying to say veterinarians? No, Mr. Bugirelli, I didn't bring... Why would I talk about the people that fight for this country? Because that's what Veterans Day is! The people... Yes, those people that those people that fight for the lives of our animals! By helping, you know, bring them... You know, Rocky Mountain Veteran. Uh, you know, that TV show where Jeff DeMont Rocky... He comes and he saves the Dr. Pole. He's a veteran. Okay, I think you're getting veterans and veterinarians mixed up. No, a veterinarian is the person. Look, Mr. Bujarelli, you salute the flag and you salute our veterinarians. <laughs> flag, flag, flag. First of all, I always salute the flag. Just make that very clear to everybody well, out yes, there. You must always salute the flag. This is the Boochcast. Colin Kaepernick ain't here. Exactly. We don't. Fucking asshole. I hope somebody burned you. Uh, yeah. I, well, the NFL already burned him, so I think the damage is done there. <laughs> You're still wanting Kaepernick to get in the NFL. You're a fucking idiot. But um, yeah, but we should we should bring back Team Tim Tebow. I don't know. I mean, Tebow wasn't all that great though. I mean, he was definitely he was he was, he was American. He was respectful. Yes, but he's a Florida Gator, and I'm a Gator, and we appreciate things like that. Well, I I'm still mad at the fact that I I, I have an issue with Tebow because of uh, how the fact that he couldn't get the Broncos to the Super Bowl. I'm a little bitter about that. I can't I can't help I can't help that your team sucks. My team is my team is great. Well, I can't say my team's great. Uh, Russell Wilson's been. Shitting a break. They're not, but they're not. <laughs> it's anyway, been a pretty. Anyway, we, 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 we kicked we kicked the Chiefs' ass. Well, that's true, but we're uh, today here on Veterans Day. We are honoring those people who take care of our dogs and cats, who make sure all of our pussies are spayed and neutered. Yes, uh, make sure the pussies are spayed and neutered. Um, yes, and all them bitches is took care of. Yes, they're taken care of. Yes, all the bitches and pussies taken care of. Mm-hmm. Uh, our kitty and our doggies but anyway oh uh, yes all of our veterans all of our great veterans all of those doctors of 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 uh of, of veterinary or vet vet our, our, our veterans yes i i think and um just, let me just say before we get into everything since football happened to come up in the conversation i do need to let people know of something this week um as you guys lance know is coming lance is coming back just not for a while exactly lance is lance will be back for a while because due to his schedule he can't make weekly appearances anymore, but he will be coming back at a later date. And once that date is set, we'll be back with more football. But in the meantime, if you haven't already, go check out the episode that we did. We talked about what's been going down from weeks one through seven of the NFL football season, as well as we talked about Steve Harvey on Shannon Sharp's podcast. We talked about Taylor Swift dating Kelsey and a few other topics we get into. So it's a really great listen. And so if you're a football fan, go check out Lance because he breaks down football the way we break down wrestling he's that damn good you're a grand old flag you're a high flying flag you're peaced in a way something with a cat and a dog i love the home of the free and the brave no 
Okay, uh, I, I, Gator, I, I'm all for honoring our, our veterans, but... um. Yes, those that take care of our dogs and cats. The animals that us people rely upon. Yes, yes they do. So um... yes. Now, folks, this show is called Battle Bowl. This is a, kind of a one-off that WCW did. So this is after Halloween Havoc in 1993. Uh, Battle Bowl it takes place on November 20th, 1993 in Pensacola Civic Center in Pensacola, Florida. When, we, when uh, WCW went on a European tour that quickly went to shit, uh, the wrestlers were jet-lagged, frustrated over poor attendance, and they decided to drown their sorrows in alcohol. Not surprising. A few of them went to a bar, and an argument started over what was causing the poor numbers for attendance. Sid Vicious blamed it on old people like Flair and not stepping aside for the younger folks. Arn took offense to this, threw his drink in Sid's face. The other wrestlers finally convinced both of them to calm the fuck down and go to bed. But that's where things took. They turned for the worse, and Sid was still angry and went to Arn's room to confront him. The two fought over a pair of scissors, which was introduced into the fight. Both men suffered multiple stab wounds, with Sid getting the worst of the damage. Thankfully, Vader was there to save Sid's life by sticking his fingers in one of the wounds to stop the bleeding. Arn and Sid would be suspended and WCW would then fire Sid provoking the fight. This would ruin WCW's plan for Vader and Sid at Starcade, and ironically enough it would be Flair that takes Sid's place in that match. So hold up hold wrestling. up where did you hear all this? The dirt cheats. Seriously? Yeah. Damn, okay. That was I'm a wrestling historian, Mr. Bujarelli, duh. I see. That's course, ladies and gentlemen. We are here for the classic pay-per-view review. And by, it, by the way, if you've ever if you've ever been at a wrestling show after the show and been around the wrestlers, not an inaccurate statement. <laughs> nope, that's pretty true. That Vinny, shit can happen. Vinny and I both know. We know. <laughs> the reason we know is because here on these classic pay-per-view reviews, Gary and I look at them from the perspective of not just two people who are fans of wrestling, but also from the perspective of two people who work in the business. That's why we've been to a lot of these after parties. Gator is, of course, a wrestler, an announcer. He's been a commentator. He's popped the popcorn. He teaches at a wrestling school. He's done multiple other jobs. He pretty much has the industry covered. I myself have been an announcer, a commentator. I've done street team shit that I pray to God I never have to do again. I've chauffeured wrestling from the building. I've managed Buff Bagwell. I've done multiple other things. I pretty much have the industry covered, too. And, of course, as he mentioned, this is WWE Battle Bowl, the pay-per-view that followed Halloween Havoc. That's why we chose this week to do the pay-per-view because Halloween Havoc 93 was the show that we did last week. So we decided to do this pay-per-view this week. There was 7,000 people in attendance, and the tagline was Ready, Set, Battle Bowl. And on commentary, once again, we have one, the great Tony Schiavone and the great Jesse Ventura doing the commentary here. We have Michael Buffer and former Boochcast guest Gary Michael Capetta. We're doing the ring announcing. And the referees were Randy Anderson and Nick Patrick. So there weren't a lot. There were only two refs on the card, which I thought was weird because normally they have like five or six. For whatever reason, they chose just to have two. And we kick things off. Well, first, before we kick things off, we have to kind of explain a little bit. I was about to say, explain the concept of what's going on here. Yeah, I got it right here. So basically, here's how this works. And now the best way I can describe this is to use some modern examples to explain to people. So for example, as we know, even though we don't talk about it on the show anymore, I know that the majority of our listeners do love to watch AEW. Now, for example, recently 
recently on AEW, a few months back, they had a tag team title tournament to crown number one contenders the tag team titles. It was a tournament that was won by MJF and Adam Cole. And as we know, the reason they were put together as a tag team was because they randomly drew names out of a hat or out of a spinny thing and pulled out random names. And those two people got put together <laughs> as a team. So, basically... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mr. Bridgeretti doesn't know what the spinny thing is called. Off the top of my head, no. So, we're figuring... Oh, Tumblr. Tumblr. Okay, Tumblr. So, they pull names out of a Tumblr, put them together. That's kind of what they did here at Battle Bowl. They would pull out two names, they'd be put together as a team. The only difference is, they would pull out two more names, and they would team up to be the opponents. It was just putting together a random-ass bracket. Also, if you guys know the dynamite diamond thing that MJF wears, you know they have a battle royal, they throw people out of the ring, and they have a singles match, and the winner of that gets the fucking diamond ring. This is kind of similar to that, except without the singles match. This is basically a battle royal, and what happens is, whichever team team wins their respective tag team match goes into the battle royal and then at the end of it the last man standing gets the battle bowl ring there's no singles match afterwards it's just last man standing after a battle royal so if you've watched aew and you've seen the tag team random ass tournament and the dynamite battle royals put those together and you have the battle bowl so they pretty much took those concepts and merged them together so in here mean gene and fifi are the ones that are in charge of drawing the names of the participants as they get paired up into teams for matches. By the, by the way, Fifi is is the current Mrs. Ric Flair. Yes. Now, in the event of a draw, if any of these matches end in a draw, then all four men are out of the Battle Royal. That's how it works. If there's a draw, then all four of them are just out. They're done. And then, of course, during this whole thing, we see throughout the night, Gene and Fifi drawing the names. Basically, a match would happen, cuts back to them, drawing the names and doing segments, and Fifi gets a little kinky. Mean Jean says she looks good enough to eat. These videos are clearly being pre-recorded because the reactions are so heavily delayed. And also, I didn't realize how perverted Mean Jean was till I saw this pay-per-view. That is a... Uh, he, he, wrestling! He's a little bit of a... He's got a little bit of a pervy side to him. Hey, that, that they don't call him Mean Jean for nothing. Yeah. He's Mean Jean with the big-ass peen. I don't know. Is that true? I suppose. I don't know. I don't know. So we kick things off with the first official match of the evening. After these names were randomly drawn, we have Vader and Cactus Jack with Harley Race versus Charlie Norris and Stevie Ray. Um, <laughs> so this was a thing. This match was more about the Cactus Vader feud than the match itself. Uh, that part was done well, but the match wasn't great. It was sloppy. Uh, no one gave a shit about the team of Kane and Norris. Fans reacted well to Vader and Cactus, but that's about it. Tony tried to explain why fans were cheering Vader, and I get they're trying to play off the fact that enemies can team together, but then they go with the most obvious pairing in the first fucking match. It kills the idea that there's any randomness to this shit it also won't help that this show is full of obvious pairings wcw never tried to be subtle about anything this match was seven minutes and 34 seconds of our lives we won't get back goodness anyway mr Boudrelli. Exactly. Now, of course, as we all know, the whole the reason the Vader Jack rivalry is still happening is because last week or you know last month, technically in their timeline, they competed in the Texas Death Match. 
They were the, so, the very wonderful great Texas death match that Vinny didn't like because he doesn't like wrestling. No, it was because the rules were dumber than a bucket full of hair. He doesn't so, like wrestling. The, the rules are stupid. We're not getting into this. All right. So, and the fact that Stevie Ray is going by Kane bothers the shit out of me. I, I, it does. I can't. I can't hear it. That's why I had to call. I had to say Stevie Ray. I can't say Kane. I don't want people thinking that Glenn Jacobs was Kane in this fucking match. So I say Stevie hey. Ray. That's what I'm calling him. I'm calling him by his Christian name. Fuck that. So it drove me nuts because you know the match was very basic but also what bothered me the most is at one point Vader nails the Vader bomb but refuses to go for the pin and I'm like why the whole point is to win the match who gives a fuck if him and Cactus do double team moves I don't need to see these two men do double team shit I just need to see them win you don't have to be friends you don't have to be a team you're not going for the tag team titles you're trying to get into a fucking battle royal I don't need to see that I'm not interested in that win the fucking match try to win not lose that's all I need to see here. And then you got Cactus hits a double arm DDT at one point on Stevie Ray. And again, is not going for the pin. Both these guys had an opportunity to end this fucking match and get into this battle royal. And both times they're like, I ain't going for the pin. It's like, y'all just not want to be in this battle royal? Y'all just not give a fuck all of a sudden? And then Vader hits Charlie with a powerbomb for the win. And at one point, Vader's losing his balance. It looked like a botch. I don't know, Gator, you tell me. Did he botch that powerbomb? Yes. Thank you. It's just the whole concept was fucking retarded because it's blatantly obvious that your egos are so out of control, you can't put them aside to win a simple match to get into a battle royal. Like, you're willing to sacrifice this ring just so you can what? Get another shot in on each other? It's fucking stupid. Hello, children. This is Uncle Gator. <laughs> Me and Mr. Bugiretti, just to break a little kayfabe, are attempting to finish recording Battle Ball 93. Yes, we are. Right, Vinny? Yes. Um, I was going to do something to write something in, but Gator insisted on ranting for a bit. So the kayfabe's been broken. Kayfabe's broken. You know why we're just now recording it? Why are we recording? Because Gator's phone is finally working again. Right. May I please tell the people something? Sure. Get it off your chest before we knock out these matches. Okay. I don't know, children. If you your service provider is for your phone but i know this t-mobile your mother's a fucking hamster and your father smells like goddamn elderberries fuck off me out uh okay you're asleep in the street <laughs> okay your mother's a bitch okay. all of y'all at the fucking t-mobile okay. and bowling green kentucky can suck my fat white dick okay good to know a goddamn chub you fucking ugly bitches i hope you all die okay we... and to jamaica this bitch is so black she looks like she's never had any bright ideas <laughs> okay, okay. We get... she's very dark i get it i get it this bitch is not black she is nighttime i get it fuck you fuck all of you motherfuckers okay god and when I say fuck, I'm not even talking about the good kind of fuck you. You know, the good kind, like Sonny and Shawn Michaels. No, I'm talking about Bret Hart in 1997, Vince McMahon, Montreal job. Fuck you! Okay. By the way, you can go to Booch Catch Reviews Dark Side of the Ring episode 2 and check out the Montreal job. The cheap pop is well warranted, but fuck you too! <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. This phone is not worth. T-Mobile is useless and using anybody else's fucking towers. Damn it. Y'all are the blue cane of fucking mobile services. 
<laughs> Nobody likes you, and everybody wants you to fucking die. Whoa, 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 whoa. Fuck them all. Okay, okay, okay. Fuck Bret Hart. Well, Fuck well, anything pink. Pussies. That gay fella that likes to come on the fucking YouTube every once in a while and go, it's Slow Cooker Sunday. Yay, T-Mobile. Fuck him, too. Okay, I don't know who that is, but all right. Yeah, Slow Cooker Sunday, my ass. I hope your Slow Cooker blows up, you son of a bitch. Okay, um... Are you good now, Gator? Do we have it all? I'm not done yet. <laughs> this is half the promo I cut in the goddamn T-Mobile. Oh, God, okay. We get... This ain't even nothing, you fucking ugly-ass bitches. I hope Tatanka wishes a fucking Indian curse magic shit on you. Buffalo. Yeah, I hope a buffalo falls from the sky and crushes your fucking Toyota Escalade. All right, Gator, I think... I, I because, think... because we all know they live in the hood. They just have a fucking Escalade. Yes, uh, they, yes, they live in the hood. Let's 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 move on now, Gator. I think we're I think you got all out of your system. I think right. we're good now. He's motherfucking. I guess not. Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. I, everybody loves it when I'm in a mood. Okay. All right. So um, now that uh, Gator's made his point, T-Mobile sucks. Verizon's better. Uh, we're gonna move on now uh, to the next match of the evening. Um, we have uh, the team, the random team of Eric Watts and Paul Roma versus Brian Knobs and John. Johnny B. Bad with Missy Hyatt. A lot like T-Mobile services, this fucking sucked. <laughs> this was fucking god awful. This was like watching a monkey fuck a football or like trying to use your phone on T-Mobile. <laughs> By the way, I will continue to tell everybody that T-Mobile is fucking suck. Thank God they're not a sponsor. Even if they were, I'd still, I would pay them to go fuck themselves. Well, no, you would have to pay me to cuss them because we would lose sponsorship money. Like, whatever they're paying me in sponsorship, you would have to pay me. I don't give a good goddamn. I'm just telling you. They're the shitty. That's fine. Like I said, they're not a sponsor, so say whatever you want. But I'm just saying, if they were a sponsor, you would have to pay me their sponsorship money because we would definitely lose them as a sponsor after this. We're not worried about them being a sponsor anyway. We're not. What can Pink do for you? Not a goddamn thing. Exactly. Um, (laughs) All right. And a lot like this match. Cheating. I do find it interesting here, for example, uh, Paul and Johnny, they kind of start things off. Uh, they struggle to nail hip tosses as each one counters, which I thought was a good exchange in the match. You know, like the back and forth and the power struggle there. I particularly enjoyed that. Uh, I felt Paul and Eric worked well together as a team. Um, they were great as they were ringing the arm of Johnny. Uh, Nob gets tagged in and basically roughs up Eric. And I love the fact that Jesse, he points out that Nobs doesn't wrestle. He just beats people up. And I like the yes, fact he does like I would like to do the team. Exactly. So I like that because he's establishing that Brian Knobs, unlike the other three guys in the ring, is not a technical wrestler. He's more of a brawler, which is a fine style to have. And it fits Brian perfectly because, you know, if someone's going to pride themselves on being nasty, I don't want to see them doing technical shit and playing by the rules any motherfucker. So, but Brian Knobs still a great worker. Now, Missy yelled at Johnny for not cheating or kicking Roma when he's down. I love seeing that as it helps to create contrast amongst the strange bedfellows, which is a term that people use for mismatched tag teams. So I like the fact that you got a heel and a babyface on a team. The babyface is like, I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to play that way because it continues to tell the story of teams are not normal tag teams. Like, hey, I want to win the match for me and Knobs, but I'm not going to win it that way. And I think that's a key element to the match. And of course, Knobs rolls through a crossbody and grabs the tights of Eric for the win. I love seeing uh, Johnny disgusted as he didn't want to win the match that way. Because he's being a true babyface. Like, again, I want to help, 
I want us to be a team. I want us to move on. But as a baby face, I want to do it the noble way. And that was pretty much the only real dissension amongst the group. It wasn't that they couldn't work well together. It was just that the heel wanted to cheat. The baby face didn't want to cheat. And that's ultimately what caused the problems. Obviously, Johnny B. Bad, as a baby face, he should not be happy about the cheating. But he's going to accept the win anyway because at least, okay, I'm going to the Battle Royal. And I can take pride in the fact I personally did not cheat to go to the Battle Royal, even though my partner did. So it's that conflicting thing. That's why he kind of went over to Eric Rotz and Paul Roman, kind of said, look, um, I didn't want to win this way. Uh, I'm sorry my partner did that. However, I'm, I'm still going to accept it and go into the Battle Royal because the win is the win. But he did establish the fact, hey, I don't condone the actions of Brian Knott. And obviously, he did not choose him as a partner. It was He was chosen for him. And I like that. They're telling the dynamic story, and that's what makes it work. Fact that reminding everybody they're mixed match teams and you know they're gonna have different styles different attitudes and even though they don't have to be the best of friends you have to work together somewhat to achieve the common goal can you hear me mr Boudreaux? i can hear you can you hear me hello Bucci, my best friend yeah i'm here can you hear me i can't hear you you can't hear me hello gator Booch. Gator. god damn it <clears throat> And that match was 12 minutes and 56 seconds. And unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to have to finish the rest of Battle Bowl by myself because while Gator was in the midst of his uh, T-Mobile rant, and of course, as we got through the second match, his phone started crapping out again. Now, I did speak to Gator prior to sitting down and finishing this, and he said that unfortunately he is busy. For the time that we're recording this, or that I'm sitting here recording this, it is November 5th, Sunday, and of course it's November 6th at the time that you're listening to this. Gator, of course, was busy today so he was not able to sit here and finish recording but he did switch to Verizon so his phone is working and we have other recordings we're going to be doing for classic pay-per-view reviews that will be coming out later this month and next month that we will be getting together and recording and now that Gator's got his phone fixed we're able to work around everything and get everything done and get everything out to you guys in a timely manner so hopefully Gator will be making regular appearances we're also going to get started on the dark side of the ring videos that he and I need to work on to get everything set and ready to go. But I just wanted to bring this up real quick before I move on to the next match that from now till the end, it'll be just me, but Gator should be returning for the other ones now that his phone is fixed. He just didn't have time today to sit here and finish it. So with all that said, we're going to move on now to the next match of the evening. We have the Shockmaster and Paul Orndorff versus Ricky the Diva, I mean Dragon Steamboat, and Lord Steven Regal with Sir William. Now, Paul and Ricky start things off. Jesse tells a Republican joke that goes over Tony's head. And basically the joke was Tony remembers everything like an elephant. Because you know the old saying an elephant never forgets. And of course you know Jesse at the time you know he was political but not as political as he is now. He could kind of make jokes about both sides before he became a massive hater of both political parties. That's why he prides himself on being an independent. Uh, also Shockmaster and Steven Rigo lock up and Shockmaster pushes him down. Smart psychology because they should not be forcing each other into a corner. That's what I I believe. You know, the Shockmaster and Steven Regal, with all due respect to Steven Regal, Shockmaster is clearly bigger and stronger than Regal. So they should not be doing a power struggle. If someone is blatantly stronger or blatantly heavier set than you, you should not be struggling in a collar and elbow tie-up. Because if there's an obvious muscle or height to weight 
proportion or ratio between the two people and you're having a struggle in the collar and elbow tie-up, it makes the bigger guy look like a pussy. So Shockmaster should easily be able to throw Regal into a corner or easily shove him down. It should be simple for the Shockmaster. So I like the psychology there. Because you wouldn't see that in modern wrestling. They would try to make everybody equal, even when it's blatantly obvious the two people in the ring are not equals. Shockmaster picks up Steven, puts him on the turnbuckle, and pats his head. I thought that was a funny spot. You know, Shockmaster playing mind games with William Regal. I enjoyed that. Uh, Regal goes for a crossbody, and Shockmaster slams him down and tags in Paul. Regal shakes Paul's hand, and Steamboat gets pissed. You know, Regal says, I'm a wrestler. I'm wrestling. Regal goes to hit Shockmaster with the umbrella, but Ricky grabs it, and Regal clubs him from behind, and Ricky knocks out Regal with the umbrella and then chases after Sir William. Shockmaster hits a splash for the win. Now, this part here irritated me. Now, before that, Regal's saying, you know, I'm a wrestler, I'm wrestling. I kind of like Regal's mindset there. He's trying to prove that he's a gentleman, and that's why he's shaking his hand. Ricky obviously doesn't like the fact that he's shaking his hand because why are you shaking the hand of our opponent doesn't make any sense. But it does play into Regal's gentleman gimmick, so I let it go. But also, why the fuck would you attack your partner with the umbrella? I mean, I get it. I get that Ricky is supposed to be a babyface. I'm aware of that. But you cost yourself the battle bowl. That was fucking stupid. Because that's the thing that people keep forgetting in this match. They're so obsessed with the personal animosities and trying to preserve their baby face or heel personas that they're forgetting you're in a fucking tag match to win the battle bowl. In order to get into the battle bowl, you have to win this tag team match. So you fucked yourself out of the battle bowl to maintain your integrity. Yeah, some people might find that admirable. Other people find it fucking stupid. Hell, I find it fucking stupid. If you don't want your guy to cheat, take the umbrella and throw it out of the ring. Do that. Just get rid of the foreign object. You don't attack your tag team partner. Especially if you're the baby face. If you're the baby face, you're not supposed to turn on your tag team partner. That's what the heel does. A heel turning on his tag team partner makes sense. Granted, it fucks you out of the battle bowls, so you're still an idiot. But at least that would make sense. A baby face should not be stabbing his tag partner in the back for any reason. The baby face is supposed to be the bigger man. Alright, I'm gonna put whatever animosity we have aside so we can win this match because the objective of a baby face is to try to win not lose so you fuck yourself out of the battle bowl for instant gratification it was fucking retarded it was a stupid ass finish and it basically makes this pay-per-view very difficult to watch with the stupid fuckery and this match was 12 minutes and 26 seconds of our lives we can't get back which is what Gator would say if he was here. And on that note, we're going to move on here to the next match of the evening. We've got The Equalizer and Awesome Kong versus King Kong and Dustin Rhodes. Now, just to clarify for the modern wrestling fans out there, this Awesome Kong is a big white male. So it's a heavyset person, but it's a white male, as opposed to the modern-day Awesome Kong that we all know from TNA, who is a big black female. Heavyset black woman. Now, although she has lost some weight, over the years, Awesome Kong has lost a fuck ton of weight, which you saw when she did uh, a farewell thing for Mickey James a while back, 
And of course, if you saw her in Glow, you know that she has lost a significant amount of weight. And obviously, I'm happy for her, although she doesn't really wrestle anymore, to my knowledge. But this is a different Awesome Kong than what we know from TNA. And I want to clarify that for the modern listeners. This is a different Awesome Kong who is a big white guy. Now, Dustin does an arm drag takedown, and Equalizer doesn't go high enough, so it looks sloppy. So this is a very sloppy arm drag takedown. But it's not necessarily Dustin's fault. It's the Equalizer's fault for not getting enough height and not getting enough lift. Because, you know, when you're putting together a move and you're doing it fluently, it takes both people to make it happen. Dustin did his part. The Equalizer did not. Now, Awesome and King Kong get tagged in, but King quickly tags Dustin back in. And I love that because that's great psychology because the tag partners refuse to fight each other. It's like, look, we know we got to win the Battle Bowl, but we're not going to fight each other, so fuck you. You can fight him. Now, I still want us to win the match, but I'm not going to hit my own partner, so you can go kick his ass. And then, of course, Dustin Equalizer battle until King Kong gets tagged back in. Now he wants to fight. And Dustin has a bulldog on the dazed Awesome Kong and gets the win for his team. So King Kong, Dustin Rhodes, they win the match. And I'm going to be brutally honest, this was a very boring match. Not a lot of thrills, not a lot of excitement, and it was very basic. Which, sometimes a basic match is okay, but not always. Sometimes you want a little bit of excitement. And Dustin Rhodes was the only one trying to bring excitement to this match. But unfortunately, there wasn't any. You know, this match was very bland and very boring and just not interesting. And it was 5 minutes and 55 seconds of our lives. We can't get back. And on that note, we're going to move on. On here to the next match of the evening. We got the team of Sting and Jerry Sags with Missy Hyatt versus Ron Simmons and Keith Cole. Sags and Simmons start things off. Ron hits multiple hip tosses and a shoulder block from a three-point stance. This is the most interesting start of the night. Out of all the matches that have taken place, this is the best start-off to the match. Everything else has just been kind of blah. This was actually very good. And I like the three-point stance because Ron Simmons is a decorated All-American college football player, so this does make sense for him to do that. Keith gets tagged in and is doing basic shit. And the crowd chants, we want Sting. We want Sting. And I, to which I replied, so do I, because he would make this interesting. Sting would be doing a great job. The rest of these guys, they're just eh. Sags chokes him against the ropes while Missy taunts him. Sags starts ripping at his face and hits a massive forearm. Keith regains momentum and tags in Simmons as they do a double elbow for a two count. Sags rakes the eyes of Simmons and tags in Sting. Sting and Simmons shake hands and lock up. Simmons forces him in a corner and there's a clean break. This is basically Babyface 101, and I like it. It's like, look, we're going to shake hands beforehand to let you know, hey, whatever fuckery happens, we're not part of it. We're going to do this the right way, and the better man will win. And then, of course, force him in the corner with the clean break. Well done. Simmons hits shoulder tackles. Sting hits a go-behind takedown for a two-count and responds with a few shoulder tackles of his own. Simmons hits a drop toehold and tags in Keith. Keith shakes Sting's hand and they pat each other on the head. Little comedic moment. They lock up and Keith hits an arm drag takeover. Sags the snap mare and a knee drop. Sting hits a stinger splash, but Sags tags himself in during the splash and hits an elbow at the top rope. For the win, Sting and Jerry Sags now move on to the next round. This is one of the better matches of the night. Very, very good. Not a lot of bullshit and fuckery. It was straight up. This was definitely one of the better matches of the night. And as I mentioned before, once Sting got tagged in, the match became interesting. And this match was 13 minutes and 14 seconds. 
And on that note, we're going to move on here to the next match of the evening. We've got Two Cold Scorpio and Max Payne versus Ric Flair and Stunning Steve Austin with Colonel Robert Parker and Fifi. So obviously Fifi is taking time away from drawing the names to uh, go out there and be ringside for the Nature Boy. And as Gator has mentioned many times before, Fifi is Ric Flair's latest wife. Hopefully they stay together. Austin and Max start things off. Austin goes for a waistlot takedown but fails to pick him up. Max has a waistlot takedown and is successful and then shoves Steve. Steve goes for the tag, but Rick struts and refuses the tag. Austin trips up Max's legs. That looked fake as fuck. That trip up looked fake as fuck. That was stupid. It was sloppy and it looked clearly staged. And like I said before, anything that looks clearly staged is automatically shite. Max grabs Austin by the throat and slams him. Scorpio gets tagged in and Austin takes down Scorpio and suplexes him into the ring, but Scorpio reverses and counters a hip toss. Looked sloppy and Austin almost injured his arm or shoulder. So yeah, this is another sloppy spot in the match. Both these guys really fucked this up. Flair gets tagged in and hits a drop toe hold on Scorpio, who reverses it into a hammerlock, and Flair responds with another drop toe hold that leads to some chain wrestling that even Jesse can't keep up with. Which was interesting because I remember in moments like this, Scott Hudson, when I worked with him in UCW and he was kind of mentoring me for a couple shows, he taught me in moments like this to just let it happen. So here's a little bit of advice for commentators out there. If you're seeing a bunch of chain wrestling going on or a bunch of high spots are going on and they're moving so fast you can't keep up, you don't have to talk in that moment. Wait until there's a rest hold or a slow point in the match or wait for everything to kind of come down before you start talking again. Because sometimes you help tell the story, but a lot of times wrestlers will tell the story by themselves. And trying to keep up just makes you sound stupid. So if they're going too crazy, just kind of sit back, let the moment happen, and then when the time is right, insert the dialogue back in. Max gets tagged in and Flair hits a snapmare after multiple kicks to the gut. He goes up top and Max throws him off the turnbuckle. Vintage Flair spot. So if you watch a lot of Ric Flair matches, you know that spot happens all the fucking time. Except for maybe one time in WWE during the Evolution era. Austin gets tagged in and gets hit with a vicious back body drop and rolls out of the ring as Scorpio gets tagged in. Austin forces Scorpio into the corner and Flair tags in and takes Scorpio to the other corner and chops him. Scorpio throws him into the corner and hits a forearm splash. Scorpio hits Austin with a strong thrust kick and then goes up top. Austin cuts him off. He hits a superplex for a two count. Flair comes in and hits his trademark knee drop to the face. Flair also yells at Parker. Why? He's on your side for this match. This is another example of stupid shit happening. Flair is getting in the face of Colonel Robert Parker. Why is Flair fucking with Robert Parker? He's in your corner. He's on your team. How do I know he's on your team? Because Steve Austin is his client. Robert Parker is not going to fuck up Steve Austin's chance to get into the battle bowl by doing some personal grudge shit with the nature boy. So for Ric Flair to get in Robert Parker's face is fucking retarded. Again, more stupid shit that does need to happen in this fucking pay-per-view. Mads gets tagged in and beats down on Flair. Flair goes for a knee stripe and hits a turnbuckle. Flair then locks in the figure four for the win. So eventually Max ends up tapping out and Ric Flair and Steve Austin win and now move on to the Battle Bowl. And this match was 14 minutes and 31 seconds. I don't think I'm going to do the gimmick here. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. We've got Rick Rude and Shanghai Pierce versus Tex Slozenger and Marcus Bagwell. <laughs> so you already know what I got to say about this match. Uh, first of all, for those of you who may not know, Shanghai Pierce and Tex Slozenger are basically the Godwins in WWE. 
So they were a tag team in WCW as well as WWE, but they got put in this mixed match against each other. Thought it was a little fun fact for people. Uh, Rick and Marcus start things off. Rick shoves Marcus into the corner and poses. They lock up and Rick shoves Marcus again. So obviously Rick Rude is establishing his dominance in this match as the veteran and the champ. Rick clubs him and hits forearm shots and then suplexes him but doesn't go down with him. And my first question was, is that safe? I'm sorry, if you're doing a vertical suplex and the and the opponent goes down but you're still standing up, that doesn't look safe to me. And I kind of wish Gator was here so I can get his opinion on it, but that just felt very unsafe for me and reckless on the part of Rick Rude. In fact, if Marcus and I are ever hanging out again and this comes up in the conversation, I may ask him that because I really would like to know how he felt from that if he feels that's a safe spot to do in a match. I'm a firm believer if you're going for a suplex, you come down with the motherfucker you're suplexing. So I don't know if Rick Rude was being safe there. Rude picks him up and Bagwell reverses into drop toe hold into an arm wrench and tags in Tex, who hits forearms into the tricep and switches to a wrist lock. Rude fights him off and tags in Pierce. The two partners stare each other down, but Pierce tags Rude back in and Tex attacks him from behind as he yells at Pierce. Bagwell gets tagged back in and works the arm of Rude. Rude forces Bagwell into the corner and Pierce gets tagged in. Bagwell hits a great hip toss and a body slam into a splash for a two count. Pierce hits a drop toe hold, but Bagwell fights out and gets a hammer lock. Bagwell argues with Tex and Rude gets tagged back in. They lock up and Rude hits shoulder shots to the abs and then clubs him and screams, Come on, boy! As he goes for a chin lock. Pierce gets tagged in and beats down on Bagwell until he hits a snapmare into a chin lock. Bagwell does a drop toe hold into an arm wrench and denies going for a tag, which shows the lack of trust he has for his partner. So basically, he's saying, even though I got Pierce where I want him, I don't trust Tex to finish the job. So I'm just not going to tag him in, and I'm going to keep going until Rude gets tagged in. Then maybe I'll tag the other guy in. So I like the psychology there. Bagwell hits a suplex and goes to bounce off the roads, but Rude pulls the top rope down, and Bagwell goes to the floor. Brilliant move by Rude here. Love that. Great ring awareness by Rude. Love that. And it definitely, as I mentioned before, shows and reminds people that he is the veteran in this match and has that experience. Rude sends Bagwell into the ring apron. Pierce tags Rude in, and Rude hits a stalling front suplex and then pose with a double bicep on his knees. Buff would do that pose later on with the NWO, so it was still great to see here. Rude tags in Pierce, who beats down on Bagwell. Pierce comes off the top for a two count and then slams Pierce into Rude's boot. Rude gets tagged in, and Rude chokes Bagwell in the corner. Rude then locks in a bear hug. Pierce gets tagged in and Pierce hits a snapmare for a two count. Pierce locks in a chin lock, but Bagwell fights out and runs into a big boot and a power bomb. Pierce goes to the cover and Tex breaks it up. Shocking moment. Because all this time, Marcus wasn't sure if he could trust him, but in that moment, Tex broke up the pin because as much as he likes his tag partner, he wants to be in the fucking battle bowl. And eventually, Bagwell gets up and tags him in because now he can trust him. And again, great storytelling in this match because Bagwell wasn't sure if he could trust Tex but the second Tex came in and broke up that pin that Shanghai Pierce was making in that moment Bagwell knew okay I could trust this guy because obviously he wants to win the fucking match brilliant Tex and Pierce start exchanging blows and the crowd goes nuts as well they should two guys who are tag partners are like you know what I don't care about us being a tag team right now because right now we're not going for the tag team titles this is about wanting to win the battle bowl and motherfucker I want that diamond ring and they start fighting for the ring like two women fighting over a groom 
feel like I'm watching the fucking Bachelor. Texas a big right hand and a clothesline. Rude blind tags in and hits the rude awakening for the win. Tex and Pierce patch things up as they beat down on Marcus and leave him lame. So now the match is over. Tex and Pierce can go back to being friends. And they just beat down on Bagwell. And that's how the match ends. Rude walks away with his celebratory win. Shanghai Pierce knows that he's also going into the Battle Bowl later tonight. Tex knows he's not getting anything. But fuck it. Best of luck to you, Shanghai. Now let's take out Bagwell because we don't like him. So good decent ending to the match. And once again, Bagwell showing his skills in this match. And as I mentioned before, one of the things I love about watching these classic WCW reviews is being reminded how how great in the ring Bagwell was. Obviously, I know him as Buff Bagwell during the NWO. I have more memories of that than I do of Marcus Alexander Bagwell. And I always knew Buff was great in the ring. Always. From his time in the NWO and everything from, you know, the 90s, like 96 and whatever on up, or 94 on up. But as Marcus Alexander Bagwell, I didn't see a lot of these earlier matches, and I'm being reminded, holy shit, this guy's an incredible worker. So people tell me Buff doesn't know how to work. First thing I want to tell these people is, go back and watch early WCW. I'm telling you. When you watch these pay-per-view reviews that we're doing, watch these pay-per-views, man. I'm telling you. If you don't think Buff Bagwell's a great worker, there's something mentally wrong with your ass. Because he can work, and work very well. And this match was 14 minutes and 50 seconds. And on that note, we're going to move on now to the next match of the evening. This is the last Last tag match we have before the Battle Bowl itself. We have Davy Boy Smith and Booker T versus Road Warrior Hawk and Rip Rogers. Now, of course, during this time, they're referring to Booker T as Cole. I'm not fucking doing that because it just sounds stupid. I'm going to call him by his Christian name, Booker T. Rip Rogers is on the ramp because Hawk knocked him out. To me, this was a stupid spot. Why the fuck are you knocking out your tag team partner before you go out to the ring to have a match? This is, again, this is something that's happened on this show that irritates the fuck out of me, and that is seeing guys turn on their tag team partners in the match. Why? You should want to win at all costs. You need your partner to win because eventually, Hawk, you're going to get fatigued out there. You're going to get beaten down. I know you have this badass mentality of, oh, nobody can knock me down, but eventually you're going to need some fucking help. So I'm sorry. This is a stupid spot. Hawk and Davey Boy start things off. They go for a test of strength that ends in a draw. Davey tags in Booker, who was running his mouth. Basically, Booker was talking trash, so he got tagged in. Davey finds himself cheering for Hawk. Jesse's still pointing out how stupid this is, which I 100% agree with Jesse. This is stupid. Why are you cheering against your partner? You fucking idiots. Hawk hits a scoop slam and Booker does the spin a Rooney and hits a clothesline right when Hawk turns around. So that was okay. Rip finally makes it to the ropes and I'm going to be honest, I think he's overselling at this point. Like, look, I get it. Hawk's a badass. He got knocked down. I know for the most part, Rip Rogers is supposed to be a jobber. And I don't mean that in a bad way because Rip Rogers has said that before. In fact, Buff and I interviewed Rip Rogers, you know, a few years back and that was one of the things he said. He understood his role of being a jobber and everything else. But I do think he's overselling at this point. This is like, all right, man, this is getting to be a bit much. Booker and Davey Boy argue. Hawk botches a kick as Booker knocks Rip back down. Rip finally gets up and Booker knocks him back down. Booker hits a forearm and a chop to Hawk. Hawk battles back with a clothesline and a side knee to the face. Booker hits a bat breaker and goes for an elbow and misses. Hawk hits a clothesline then throws Rip onto Booker who pins him for the win. 
There wasn't even a fucking tag, by the way. At no point in this match did Hawk tag in Rip Rogers. He just throws him on top for the win. That would have been a great spot, except Hawk remembered to tag in fucking Rip Rogers. Again, the little details are important. People need to understand that. The deal is in the details. If you mess up minor details, it can fuck up the psychology of the whole match. And if not the whole match, then at least the moment that you're going for. And then Davey walks away with Hawk, which is also fucking stupid. Why is Davey Boy excited to be walking away with Road Warrior Hawk? Motherfucker, you just lost the match. You've been fucked out of the battle bowl. This is fucking stupid. At least with Pierce and Tex, it made sense because they're an actual tag team. Last I checked, Road Warrior Hawk and Davey Boy Smith were not a fucking tag team. So none of this shit makes any fucking sense. None of it. And this match was 7 minutes and 55 seconds, which doesn't surprise me because it involves Road Warrior Hawk. So he's one of those guys that has to get in, get out. And then, after all this stupidity, we move on to the main event of the evening, the official Battle Bowl Battle Royal, which consists of Vader versus Cactus Jack versus Brian Nobbs versus Johnny B. Bad versus the Shockmaster versus Paul Orndorff versus King Kong versus Dustin Rhodes versus Sting versus Jerry Sags versus Ric Flair versus Steve Austin versus Rick Rude versus Shanghai Pierce versus Road Warrior Hawk versus Rip Rogers. And the rules are simple. Throw your opponent over the top rope to the floor. However, if you land on the ramp, you are still in the match. Because for those of you who may not know, they have a ramp to the ring. Instead of it being like walking down a stage and having to climb upstairs to get in the ring or slide into the ring, there's a ramp that takes you directly from the stage to the ring. You walk to the ramp and you get in the ring. Some people might see that in uh, some AEW shows. I actually prefer that. I like that spot. It's a lot easier going down the ramp and getting into the ring. I find that a lot easier, so I like that. So, Rip and Johnny fight it out. Vader and Hawk go at it. Rude and Dustin fight as Rude is trying to eliminate Dustin. Now, Rip gets eliminated first. I wish he had lasted longer, but whatever. I think he was still pretty much beaten up from the match with uh, Hawk, Smith, and Booker T. So, I guess they wanted to get Rip out real fast. Pierce is eliminated next, which wasn't visible until the replay where he ran at Cactus and he pulled down the top rope. And that's another issue with these battle royals is they don't have enough cameras to shoot every angle, so you miss a lot of shit. Which is why battle royals really aren't that great to watch. Flair helps Cactus beat up on Steve. Flair throws Steve through the ropes and follows him out through the ropes. They're not eliminated, but they fought on the floor for a bit and then got back in the ring because they went through the middle ropes. And again, it's over the top rope to be eliminated. So even if you go through the bottom part of the rope or, the, or through the middle rope, you are still in the match. They have to go over the top. Johnny gets thrown out but lands on the ramp, so he's still in the match. Johnny B. Bag gets eliminated by Paul Orndorff. I wish they had a camera on the far side to capture this shit live instead of us having to see it on fucking replays. Hawk saves Flair from being eliminated and then attacks him, which makes no fucking sense. Why would you save someone from being eliminated just so you can beat down on them? Get him over the top rope, eliminate him, and then start beating up on the rest of the motherfuckers that are in the ring. Again, a lot of this shit in this show is fucking retarded. Cactus goes for a superplex on Vader, who counters with a weird scoop slam. That looked like a botch. A massive botch. Vader then eliminates Cactus Jack. Paul Orndorff was eliminated as well by Dustin via backdrop. King Kong and Shockmaster get eliminated as well very quickly. So a lot of this is happening quick, 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 quick. Vader throws Sting onto the ramp. Stupid spot because he had him in a gorilla press and could have thrown him anywhere. You literally have somebody in a gorilla press over your head. 
You can toss this some bitch anywhere you damn well please. Why would you throw him onto the ramp when throwing him onto the ramp keeps him in the fucking match? Again, stupid shit that makes no fucking sense. And it bothers me because these guys are supposed to be veterans who fucking know better. So why are they doing stupid shit? The Nasty Boys beat down on Flair and then Sting. Sting tries to eliminate Nods, but Sag stops him. Flair and Vader battle it out while the Nasty Boys work on Hawk. Sting saves Hawk by attacking Nobs. Sting then saves Flair. Why? Why is Sting saving Flair? Last I checked, they didn't like each other. Unless he's using Sting to help him battle the Nasty Boys, no other logic makes sense, especially when it's every man for his goddamn self. Then you got Vader and Rue fighting it out, two world champions, because Vader's the WWE World Heavyweight Champion, and Rick Rude's got that international bullshit that makes no fucking sense. Sting clotheslines the Nasty Boys. Vader stops Sting from eliminating the Nasty Boys. Why? Again, it doesn't make sense. Let Sting eliminate people. The less people that are in the ring, the better your chances of winning the fucking match. Does anyone use their brains in these fucking matches? Or are they too hopped up on the goddamn Somas? Austin goes after Hawk while Flair and Dustin take out the Nasty Boys. Dustin and Austin go through the ropes and Austin sends Dustin into the ring post. Dustin is busted open. He gets back in the ring and Austin starts pounding on him until Flair helps out and then Dustin battles back. Dustin sends out Jerry Sags and then throws out Brian Knobs and then Austin sends out Dustin. Hawk back body drops Rude out of the ring and then Vader throws out Hawk with help from Austin. Sting and Vader fight while Flair and Austin fight. Austin shouts Flair while Vader knocks Sting into the corner. Vader goes after Flair while Sting goes after Austin. Vader goes for a splash and misses. Flair goes onto the ramp and attacks Harley Race. Flair suplexes him onto the ramp. Vader hits an elbow drop on Flair. Sting and Flair are still in the ring. Vader splashes onto Flair on the ramp. Sting went for the Scorpion Deathlock, but quickly broke the hole to beat down on Vader, and Austin attacks Sting from behind. Keep in mind, all four of these men right now are on the fucking ramp. All four men. So they're all still in the match. They're just all on the ramp, so no eliminations have taken place. Vader drops an elbow on Flair. Flair gets put on a stretcher and taken out of the building. Vader and Austin throw Sting back into the ring. Austin and Vader go up top. Austin comes down and Sting boots him. And then Vader comes down and Sting hits a power slam on Vader. And then builds momentum by attacking both of them. Sting attacks Austin in the corner, but Vader takes out Sting. Vader and Austin trade punches on Sting. Austin holds his legs while Vader splashes onto him. Sting dodges the third one and then exchange blows with Austin. He chops Vader and hits a vicious clothesline on both men. Austin goes to eliminate Sting, but drops him due to fatigue. Austin drops the knee from the top. Vader goes up for a Vader bomb and hits it, but hurts his back, and Austin goes for a splash, but misses. Vader goes for a splash, but misses and hits Austin. Sting sends Austin onto the ramp, and then Vader clotheslines Sting onto the ramp. Austin falls to the floor, so he's eliminated. Vader throws some haymakers in a headbutt. Vader hits a clothesline and a splash. Then he starts beating down on Sting. Sting ducks the clothesline, but they bump into each other, and Sting falls on him while his head hits Vader's nuts. Sting picks up Vader and puts him on the turnbuckle and hits multiple kicks. They're back in the ring at this point. Sting goes for a splash, but Vader falls off the turnbuckle, and Sting goes over the top to the floor. Vader wins the battle bowl. So Vader ends up winning the battle bowl and winning the diamond ring to add to his collection in addition to being the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. So finally, this insane mess is over. All this goddamn ridiculous crap is solved. And this is the end to what was otherwise a boring shit pay-per-view that made absolutely no logical fucking sense at all. 
I was gonna say the 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 booking in this was terrible, and a lot of the spots were sloppy and were goddamn ridiculous. This was not one of the better WCW pay per views. Now I still recommend people watch it if they want to see the Battle Bowl for themselves, but me personally, this was a god awful pay per view. And this match was 25 minutes and 33 seconds of our lives. We can't get back. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this episode of the Boochcast. I thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Make sure you guys check out the male soap opera moment. Go see our uh, predictions for WWE Crown Jewel. Find out who was right and who was wrong and be on the lookout out for our recap of WWE Crown Jewel coming soon to the Boochcast Facebook page. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Uh, we're still working on the uh, Dark Side uh, episodes to bring out to you guys. I am done with all the scripts for Dark Side of the 2000s. I just need to film some remaining episodes. Uh, Gator and I are going to get started on some of the uh, Dark Side of the Ring episodes that we have have to do and I'm currently in the process of doing more research on dark side of comedy so I can start getting those episodes recorded out to you guys very very soon and of course make sure you follow us on twitch go to twitch.tv slash the boochcast that's where we do our live wrestling watch parties our next watch party will be Saturday, November the 25th for WWE Survivor Series. We are still trying to work out the kinks and figure everything out because um, obviously there's a good chance the team is going to have to get together and try to give you guys a watch party because as of right now, unless something changes, uh, I believe I am still planned to go to WrestleCade with Buff Bagwell on the 24th and the 25th of November. However, with Buff, uh, scheduling has been up in the air, so I have no idea what's going on. I may end up going to WrestleCade. He may end up changing his mind and taking somebody else and if that's the case then obviously I will get together with some people and we will do a Survivor Series watch party so if I don't go to WrestleCade I'll be part of the watch party if I do go to WrestleCade I won't be part of the watch party so we'll have to uh, see how everything goes and of course we have our live D&D show coming soon our Boochcast booking battle and another special project in the works and of course, you can support the Boochcast by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is $0.99, cents, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money give us money we got better content than peacock anyway and we got the third and final level you can donate at which is for a mere 9.99 ten dollars per month the same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE network subscription here in the united states ever since they sold it to peacock you got nowhere to put that in 9.99 10.99 bring it over here we got better content than the network and unlike the elite we actually care about our fans are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option to pay with your credit card or with GPay. And the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We use to upgrade our equipment. We use to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the
the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believes they're to be paid for their hard work, podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed Zechariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. I'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! <laughs>